Amen. Um, John chapter 6. I was troubled tonight. On The Lord just kind of started dealing with me about some of this uh, um, as I was gone and spoke this to me. And, and, um, but they got to, the Lord was also dealing with me about a message that I preached while gone to Scottsville. Um, Assembly of God preaching. And I preached um, a series of messages there. Didn't mean to, but the sound of revival. Revival has a sound. And, um, and I'm thankful that revival has a sound. Amen. I'm thankful that this church isn't quiet. We shouldn't be. When Jesus showed up to the dead man's tomb, he hollered with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Amen. If people were going to be set free in that prison cell in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas were in there, then somebody had to get loud when they were praising and praying. Amen. Because the Bible says when they heard them pray and praise, then they were all set free and an earthquake came and shook the foundation and the prison doors open. So people in the other cells heard them praying and praising God. Can I tell you that your praise and your prayer might not be about you. It may be that God's about to break somebody else's chains off. Amen? Somebody else's prison doors are going to open up because you're willing to praise. Amen? I heard of a man. He's a youth pastor in Assembly of God Church here. He was at youth camp. He said they went to youth camp one time, and this pastor preached a message, and it was a salvation message. He was the youth minister there. He's like, man, he was arguing with God. God told him to go to the altar. He said, God, if I go to the altar and respond to a salvation message, they're going to wonder what in the world that I'm going to the altar for because I'm already saved, and I'm their youth pastor. So he was arguing with God if he was going to go or not, and the Lord finally spoke to him and said, this isn't about you. This is about somebody else. And so he just came down and began to pray for his youth group. And all of a sudden, he had invited somebody that he had been ministering to for years. And finally, he said, this, this young man came with him to, to that camp. And he said, next thing I know, when I went to that altar, he said, I felt a hand slip up on my shoulder. And he said, I looked over there, and he said, lo and behold, it was the man that I've been ministering to for all these years. He said, he felt led to come to the altar when he saw that I was willing to be humble and come to the altar. He led, him, he led that man to the Lord. That young boy led him to the Lord. He gave his life to Jesus. I believe they baptized him when they got back from youth camp. Two weeks later, he got in a car wreck and was killed. So hear me tonight. Your praise isn't about you, so don't make it about you. It could be that God is going to use your, your praise and your prayer to save somebody else's life because we don't know. Amen? Had this man not responded to the altar, that man could have died and went to hell. But instead, he was born again. Amen? And so we just have to be people of the altar. Amen? GFCC, you're people of the altar. Amen? It's not going to be long. Did y'all see next door when you drove up plumbing? Pops are sticking up now. You're starting to be able to tell what's what a little bit now. Amen? That's exciting. Praise God. It's exciting. Amen? I'm not going to be long. Maybe, what, three weeks, Brother David? Slab's going to be poured, hopefully. Lord willing, three weeks of clean weather. We need clear weather. Amen. We, we need clear weather. They got them forms built like Fort Knox anyway now, so they'll stand a hurricane. It's not hurricane season, though, so we need some good weather. Amen. And so uh, three weeks, hopefully, we're going to have a slab poured. Y'all pray. Amen. And um, so John chapter 6, I ministered a word back here um, during camp meeting, what's supposed to, and ended up. Um, breaking the bondage of the orphan spirit. Um, I've never looked at this really before, but tonight I, I, I do want to look back at this, and God is, is using that message. Amen. I was able to preach it last Wednesday night at Scottsville Assembly of God to close out the meeting, and, and I can tell you that God just really, really changed a lot of lives. And so we're just thankful. That's what the Word does. Amen. That's what the Word does. John chapter 6 Verse 1 says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover of feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company unto him, come unto him, and said unto Philip, Whence thou, whence shall we buy bread, and these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. How many of y'all know Jesus already knows what he's going to do? Sometimes he's just seeing what we're going to do. 
He already knows what he's going to do. He just wants to know what we're going to do. And so he puts us in situations to see if we're going to trust him. Amen. He already knew Connie and Cecil. He already knew. He knew that nothing of that old life could be left. Amen. But the word of the Lord. Amen. If y'all didn't see Jesus tonight in this house already, you just missed out. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you. I, I saw Christ. Amen. And, and, and here's what Jesus knows what he's going to do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. Well, how about that, Debbie Downer? Amen. Be careful who you put yourself around. Amen. I can tell you, you find you you can go to church. It ain't got to be a clickish church, but I'm a church. But I can tell you, I can tell you, people that are live in pity, they're gonna cling to people that live in pity. I'm gonna get somebody on my side. Amen. Somebody that live with with in arrogance, they're probably gonna get somebody that lives in arrogance. You know, somebody that just kind of you. We all kind of blend together. Amen. The the birds of a feather flock together. Amen. And so Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, there is a lad here. Thank God for the lad. There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? My goodness, him and Philip was hanging tight, two Debbie Downers. Well, what good is this going to do with so many people? Isn't it easy to live there? Isn't it easy to live there? I love what the NIV says. Let me just show you what the NIV says right here. Um, because it, it just kind of says, it, it says, verse, verse 8, another of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. So he was really putting down the little boy's lunch, wasn't he? He was talking about how little they were. Amen? How many times do we do that? Somebody brings carrying something in the house, but we make sure we point out how negative it is, how small it is. Amen. We make sure that we just reduce everything that God's about to do. <laughs> we make sure we reduce that very well, don't we? I love what Jesus does, though. He said, you keep calling it little because I'm about to enlarge the little. <laughs> Amen. He said, I'm about to enlarge. So then, then he goes on to say in the NIV, he says, and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? He was putting all kind of limits on the Lord. Amen. And he was just putting these limits on Jesus. But I can tell you what Jesus is about to do. Verse 10. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was so much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed it to the disciples. And the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, somebody say filled. He said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together in 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. I titled this message tonight, Living Outside the Realm of the Orphan Spirit. And my second subtitle is, What You Carry Matters. What you carry matters. Amen? I'm going to say that again. Living outside the realm of the orphan spirit, what you carry matters. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to bless tonight, God. I pray that you would anoint. I pray, Lord, despite me and, Lord, my flesh and my failures, Lord, despite what the enemy just tries to say, Despite anything, oh God, we know that tonight that your word endures forever. God, we know that your word stands to the very end when nothing else will, God. And we thank you for that, Jesus. And we just pray, God, that you would anoint your word tonight. Lord, anoint our ears and our heart to receive what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to go back to what I said um, back during camp meeting and in this message about the orphan spirit. And listen to me as I build upon this message tonight. I, I just want to reiterate things that I said then. Um, I was scared to death, so I want to make sure we hear it good. Amen. The orphan spirit is referring to people that walk in offense constantly. You're constantly feeling rejected. You're constantly feeling abused. You're constantly feeling abandoned. You constantly feel lonely and isolated and live in a state of jealousy most of the time. 
This orphan spirit began in the very beginning of the word of the Lord, Adam and Eve, hiding from the Father. Can I tell you that people with an orphan spirit play hide and go seek from God. You see, the Father came walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The Father was looking for them. But people with an orphan spirit hide from the Father because they don't know. They think that the Father is coming to rebuke them instead of love them. But the Father was only wanting to cover them in their sin. You think he didn't know that they had fallen? Do you think that he didn't know already that they had eaten of the tree that he told them not to eat of? He said, who told you this? He already knew. That's why he went looking for them. He already knows what you've done. That's why he comes to where you are. And he said, Adam, where are you? He knew right where they were. He knew that they were hiding. And he knew why they were hiding. But people that live with an orphan spirit live in a spirit of fear and rejection and hiding all the time. And the Father is looking for you in the cool of the day. And all he desires to do is to give you what is his. All he desires to do is to remove the fig leaves that you've made for yourselves. And because he's got, he's got a covering of blood that he wants to put around you. We've been adopted. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. But there's so many people, I see it more and more and more. And I'm telling you, I, I don't know why God began to deal with me other than he said it can't mean this will not be the last time you preach this. And what I'm going to give you tonight just came out of the Holy Ghost when I was preaching in Arkansas. So listen to me. God wants to break this spirit in this generation. Now you may say an orphan spirit is in children. No, it's not. People 138 years and been in church 298 years are living with an orphan spirit. You're constantly offended by everything that somebody does. You're constantly feeling abused or abandoned by somebody. Nobody's done anything to you. It's not them. It's you. We live in this spirit and it rules and reigns. We're constantly playing high. Well, who's out to get me? A lot of times we go from church to church to church. We get hurt by pastor. We get hurt by teacher. We get hurt by worship leader. And we just live in a spirit of offense always. And there's no freedom in this life. God wants to break the spirit of an orphan off of the generation in the church so that we can live as sons and daughters of God. I can tell you this. You've heard my testimony of that time whenever I was in, in Columbia and them prostitutes were following right behind me and they said $40. And I said, oh God, as I begin to turn around, I, I got to tell them I'm a pastor. And the Holy Ghost said, what good is that that you're a pastor? That's not going to matter that you're a pastor. I heard God say to me in that moment, they probably went to the room with a lot of pastors. They probably went to the room with a lot of preachers. But he said, you turn around them and tell them that you're a son of the Most High God. Tell them you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I'm telling you, just because you got a title, just because you got a position, that don't make you anything in the kingdom of God. I don't care how you preach, how you sing, how you teach. If you're not walking in sonship, I'm telling you, it don't make a hill of beans. There's going to come a day that your son is going to be tested and it's going to be tried. And if you can't turn around to the devil and say, I'm a son of the most high God. I'm a daughter of the most high God. I've been adopted. I'm walking in full authority as a son and a daughter of God. Then it's not going to matter. Your positions won't keep you out of sin. But I tell you what it will do. It'll cause condemnation in your life. Well, I, I, I can tell you, man, this, this thing runs rampant. Somebody came to me. I didn't know if I would preach this there. I just want to just testify a minute. He said, he said brother, he said, I, I could tell this man, man, he's always uplifting. And he just came to me one night. I said, brother, what's, what's going on? He's a minister. I could tell he's never down and out, never any time I've ever seen him. He said, he said I don't know what's going on. He said, I said, feel so far from God. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm praying more. He said, I'm reading more. He said, I'm getting up earlier in the morning. He said, but it just seemed like it's making it worse. I said, because you're bound. You're not walking in sonship. You're not walking in the grace of God. You know what I found? You know what I found? Sometimes God may just have me read one scripture, and he may have me say on that one scripture for two or three days and expound that thing in my life. 
But if I'm not careful, then I'll compare myself to David or Brother Chris or Brother Michael and say, man, they read three, three chapters a day. And I only got through one verse today, and God stopped me right there. If you're not careful, you'll start living in comparison because you read three chapters, and I'll read one verse. I'll compare myself to everybody. Well, they prayed 10 hours today. Man, Brother David, he, he loves to fast and pray. Not really. Nobody does. Uh, I promise you. Nobody does. Nobody likes to pray. Nobody likes to fast. People get me all the time. Boy, I, 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 where are you attending church? Nowhere. But I'm praying all the time. I'm a good Christian. You ain't praying at home. Come on. No, you're not. You, you ain't been to church in three, four, five years. You're going to tell me that you pray all the time? No, you don't. <laughs> you might think you're praying. You might be praying to the devil. But I'm telling you, you're walking with God. I'm telling you, everything in that flesh has got to die just to get to the prayer room. Amen, just to get into the presence of God and pray. I'm telling you, that devil don't want you to pray. You might be praying, but you're praying to the wrong father. You're praying to the father of lies, amen. I'm telling you, church, listen to me. A lot of times we think that we can force this thing. We'll read more, pray more, fast more. I went 20 days last time. I can just get 21 days like Daniel this time. Oh, my God, and we just force things. We force things. What a miserable life. What a miserable life. But if I'm truly a son, and if God tells me to fast 21 days, then guess what he's going to do? He's going to say, let's go. Let's go, son. <laughs> you went 20 days last time. You don't have to force it 21. Guess what? I'm already here, and I'm going to bring you here. <laughs> you don't have to force anything whenever you're walking in the adoption and sonship. Amen? You don't have to force anything. Thank you. Because the Father is already there, and he's going to bring you there. Amen? People with an orphan spirit. The fruit of the orphan spirit started in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve was hiding. I can tell you people with an orphan spirit isolate. They deal with isolation. They run and they hide. Well, they're good Christian people. I'm talking, about, I'm talking, I'm talking to the church tonight. I'm talking to saved people tonight. I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about saved people that don't know they've truly been adopted. Amen. We walk in an orphan spirit. Listen to me. I, I believe this is running rampant. The fruit of Adam and Eve in the orphan spirit we see comes through Cain. They're very jealous over somebody else doing better than them. They have a hard time supporting people that are successful whenever they're not being successful. It may not be your time right now. Hey, amen. And God may be bringing you to success just in a different way. And so listen, so Cain became jealous of Abel. Now the fruit of that the fruit of the orphan spirit is generational. Adam and Eve's hiding. Now Cain is out open with it, but what's he going to do? Because jealousy is in him, and I'm going to kill him, and now there's blood on the ground, and the blood's crying out. I believe that blood was crying out and said, all I want you to do is walk in full adoption. The blood cried out. Don't be jealous. Amen. The blood was crying out. Listen, the orphan spirit and people that operate in this is jealous and insecure. They're jealous of success of brothers. They're jealous. I mean, they serve God to earn the Father's love. Anybody ever done that? They have a great need for success and acceptance. Listen to this one. They use people to fulfill their personal goals. People with an orphan spirit will repel children. People with an orphan spirit have anger and fits of rage. Any men can identify with that? People with an orphan spirit always in competition with others. People with, a, with an orphan spirit have their identity in things that they possess, not in who they are. And so the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 15, I want to read this. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of what? Sonship. Adoption. And by him, and I titled this Brother Michael, Revival Has a Sound. And we cry, Abba, Father. 
Can I tell you, whenever we truly begin to walk in the authority of adoption and sonship, can I tell you, revival will have a sound and people will notice the difference in your life. You're not in competition with anybody else, but I can help my brother because I know that I'm just walking with my brother. I'm my brother's keeper. I'm not jealous of him trying to kill him and bring him down, but instead I can uphold him and lift him up. Amen. Listen to this. I cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. What does that mean? What's his is now whose? Mine. Everything that belongs to Christ is now mine. You mean to tell me the same spirit that rose him from the dead lives within me? You mean that I can tread upon serpents and scorpions? I can drink deadly things and I shall not be harmed? You mean I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? I'm telling you, we've seen proof of it right here. I believe that I see sons and daughters of the Most High God. God said this to them. Everything of that old is going to burn down, but everything of that new, what is this? This is the spirit of adoption. There's new life right there. Church, I'm here tonight to tell you that we got to get rid and begin to rebuke that orphan spirit and begin to walk in the authority of the adoption of Jesus Christ. Everything that's his is now mine. Imagine if the church would get unleashed to know that we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. My God, Jesus is my brother. I thank God if we look to him, we can begin to say to him, we walk in the adoption. Look to our heaven. Heavenly Father, and say, what belongs to Christ? Give it to me. Let's turn the church loose in this hour and watch God move. Hallelujah. Listen to me tonight. Hallelujah. Apparently, Philip and Andrew were chosen by God, had authority given according to Matthew chapter 10. Jesus looked at the 12 disciples and gave them authority and power to go preach, to lay hands on the sick. But guess what? Philip and Andrew living in a spirit of an orphan. Look at how little this little boy had. He didn't want to give any credit. So let's look back at John chapter 6. Listen to this. We hear about the crowd. We hear about the Christ. We hear about the disciples. We hear about the 5,000 men. We hear about the bread. But how many times do we really slow down and just talk about the little lad? Because Christ could not have performed the miracle without somebody giving him the bread. <laughs> somebody has to bring something out and give to Christ. You see, Jesus needs us. I didn't come in here and rebuke you about being in the altar. But I can tell you what the Bible says, that we offer to him a sacrifice of praise. And if you just sit idle there in your chair, then what sacrifice are you giving to God? What are we giving to God? We're not giving God anything. Where's our sacrifice at? We got to be willing to move towards the Lord because he's done so much for us. So we lay our life down and give him a sacrifice of praise. And then when we come and offer our lives as a living sacrifice, fire's gonna fall on the altar of God, amen? He's gonna fall upon our hearts. And so here we are. We gotta look to this little lad tonight because I see 5,000 men there and I see a little boy that comes walking in carrying a little lunch and I can tell you what, I see 5,000 men with an orphan spirit but I see a little lad that knows who he is. I said 5,000 men with an orphan spirit, but I see a little lad that says, you know what? My mama made me this lunch this morning, but Andrew, if you want it, Andrew, if you want it, here it is. There ain't very little in there, but my mama gave it to me, and my mom's not very special. I can tell you this lunch means it probably that may have been their last lunch, but that little lad, he don't even have a name. Can I tell you, you don't even have to have a name to be used in this kingdom. People don't have to know who you are. I'm telling you, just take what's yours and give it to Jesus and put it in his hands. There ain't no telling what Jesus can do with that. Amen. But here's the problem. There's too many people living with an orphan spirit. 5,000 men. I promise you they weren't the only ones with a lunch. Here's the way they came in. They had theirs hid. They had their little lunch hid. And the whole time Jesus is just saying, I need somebody to be open-handed. I need somebody that will freely give to me. I need somebody that is secure in their walk. The first thing I want to tell you about an orphan spirit in my heart is this. My God, that if GFCC could come out of this spirit, if GFCC, if just one of you could come out of the place of hiding, 
If just one of you would come out of the place of doing this with God, and I'm talking to me tonight, if just one of us could just be turned loose like this little lad, imagine the generation and the multitudes that could be changed and saved. In this one moment, 5,000 men, that's not include women or other children that were there. Amen. Why all of a sudden out of 5,000 men and one little lad, I believe that Jesus is narrowing this thing down, and he's saying, I don't want to call out the women. I don't want to call out the other little kids, but what I do want to point out is there was 5,000 men that were there and there was one little lad. What is he saying? Age has nothing to do with authority in the kingdom of God. I hope somebody got a hold of that. Somebody may have walked in here and gave their life to Jesus tonight. I'm telling you the same authority that just entered into you by Jesus is the same authority as me preaching in this pulpit. If Christ is in you, you receive the same spirit of adoption that I received 18 years ago in a jail cell. I'm here to tell somebody tonight that our God is ready to use the little lads. Our God is ready to use the least of these. Let me tell you, of all the 5,000 men, they all acted like little lads, but a little lad act like a son. I said 5,000 men act like a little lad, but the little lad acted like a son. Everybody else was playing hide and go seek. Everybody else was saying, oh, it's mine. Nobody wanted to share. Nobody wanted to give it to the hands of God. But there was a little boy there that said, whatever I got, it's yours. Use it, Jesus. Whatever it is, I don't have much, but what I got is yours. Listen to this, of all the 5,000 men and women, of all them, there was one little lad. We know that there were some children, but in the middle of this huge crowd of people, could you only imagine how this one little lad felt? Could you imagine out of everybody in here? I'll tell you this, there was a few people that are not at Dunklin. I felt weird there. I love Dunklin. Man, they started singing rattle the other night. Whew. I couldn't hardly hold it. I went over there to Nick Reynolds and I said, man, I said, y'all shouldn't sing that with the Pentecostal people up in me. I said, I said, I'm about ready to run this place. I could feel the Holy Ghost. I was just speaking in tongues. I said, man, I said, I could just feel the Holy Ghost. That guy that leads worship down there, Luke, he is so anointed and powerful. Man, it was just, it was amazing. I could just feel the presence of God. And my heart was longing in that moment for just revival to break out in that church. There's probably 400 people there. And I looked across there and I said, this is the generation that's going to see revival. This is the people that were in the highways and the hedges. And Jesus compelled them to go get them because the religious people rejected and began to make excuses. But I'm telling you, we got to turn them loose. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying here's what they do. Here's how they've lived their whole life. They've lived hiding. They've lived in shame. They've lived in guilt. They think that their life don't matter. And some of you here tonight, you've lived your life like that too, like you don't matter. And so you've got something to offer. What you carry matters. What you carry matters. It it may not seem like a lot. Your mama may have made you a lunch every day, but now this day that lunch is about to get in the hands of Jesus. (laughs) You may be doing the same old thing what you've always done, but I'm telling you, when you encounter Jesus, everything's about to change. Everything's about to change. And so could you imagine how that little boy felt in that crowd? I kind of think that I felt that way the other night. It was how I was like, oh, God, just fall. And he did. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. But I could just feel, man, the Holy Ghost, and I could just feel a roar in that place. And I'm not saying anything negative whatsoever. But I was just like, I could feel the power of God. I could feel the breath of God. Nick read Ezekiel 37 in the beginning. I just preached on that the week before. And then they sing rattle. And I'm like, my God. One verse in there says, I will cause breath to enter into you. That means it's not up to you what enters into you. Whenever God breathes, that word cause means it's not about you anymore. When I do it, it's coming whether you like it or not. And I'm going to cause this bone to get in this bone. Well, I didn't want to be in relationship with David Bryant. Well, whenever he blew, it didn't matter. God blew you right over there because that's what the breath of God does. It causes things to come into place that we didn't ask God to do. Amen. Some of you's got some things out of joint, out of place right now. But when the breath of God begins to blow, God don't have to ask your permission about what he does, 
when he does it or how he does it. I'm telling you, he causes breath to enter into us. Amen. Dead, dry, disgraceful bones. I'm telling you, when God begins to blow, amen, then he's going to do that. But this little lad was in the middle of all these people. I could imagine how he probably felt. Maybe there were some businessmen in there. Maybe there were some black suits and ties and Maybe there were some big money CEOs in there. I don't know what was in there, but I imagine how that little boy felt. But I wonder on the inside, he's like, I got my mama's lunch. I got a lunch today. I can give it to Jesus. I bet there was an excitement in him. But don't you know, I wonder how he began to feel. I wonder if he began to compare himself, Rafe. Well, why aren't these other people giving their lunch? Have you ever looked to what everybody else is doing and you got something that you really want to give to God but well, nobody else is doing it? And then you know what you begin to do? You begin to compare. And then that excitement that's in you say, oh, you know what you begin to do? Well, it's only two little fish. It's only five little loaves of bread. And you look around. 5,000 men? No. How many times do we let that consume us? Well, I guess if they're not going to share theirs, then should I share mine? There's, look at all I, this is all I got. There's no way this is going to feed everybody. And then, then, then so he's comparing himself. Anybody ever do that? And so don't this just drive the spirit home? When everybody else is bound by, by an orphan spirit and nobody else wants to be free because of an orphan spirit because they want to hide everything that they've got. And so we're in church where God is present and God's wanting to use us. God's wanting to feed people. God's wanting to break the bread of life open. God's wanting to use little lads. God's wanting to use drug addicts. God's wanting to use prostitutes. God's wanting to use a burnt house. Oh, but will anybody bring forth and go look for something that may be left? He was beginning, I bet he had to compare himself. And I bet he asked this question, why aren't the others sharing or giving their lunch? How many times do we let the comparison of what others do hinder us? And we begin to look at what little we have. And then here comes old spiritual disciple Philip and Andrew, and they say, well, I got a little boy here, but look how little his fish are. <laughs> Y'all ever been to church with them? <laughs> Well, I got a little boy. He's got two little bitty fish, and boy, that bread, boy, that thing must, them loaves must have shrunk when his mama put them in the ovens. All I know. <laughs> you ever been to church with them? Well, I thought I had something good to give to God today, but I guess, man, I've looked at them my whole life, and they're gonna make fun of my little. What they don't know is they would never listen to a message like this and let anybody ever tell them they're bound by an orphan spirit. Because <laughs> it didn't, wasn't preached their way. <laughs> let me tell you, Mr. Minister, you say you preach the truth, but you don't preach Jesus. You're preaching a lie. <laughs> you say you preach love, but you don't preach Jesus. You're preaching false. <laughs> you say you're preaching grace, but you don't preach Jesus. Then it's a lie. Amen, I preach holiness and hellfire and brimstone. Oh, but if you don't preach Jesus, it's all a lie. Amen, we say that we're a lot of things, but if we don't be Christ to this nation, if we don't be Christ to people around us, I don't care what you preach, mister. I don't care what you preach, miss. I'm telling you, if we don't preach Jesus, then we've missed it all together. Amen, you call yourself holiness, call yourself Baptist, call yourself a truth preacher, a grace preacher, a love preacher, a hellfire brimstone. Call yourself what you want to call it. Call me a Jesus preacher. I want to lift Jesus up. I don't have much to offer. I just got a little bit. My God, if I can get it in his hands, let him bless somebody with it. Hallelujah. Let him bless somebody with it. That's what he does. Now listen, he began to face the criticism. What are they going to think of me if I share my little lunch? Well, nobody else is doing it. I wonder what they're going to think of me if I start speaking in tongues at Dunklin'. <laughs> what are they going to think of me? When Nick opened up the altars and them men started going over there praying in the altar. You're a pastor. 
You only a pastor at Grace Fellowship or are you a pastor at Dunkland Memorial? <laughs> well, are you a pastor? I was fighting. I'm, telling you, I'm fighting exactly what I'm telling you right now. And the Holy Ghost said, you better go lay hands on them. I called you. I called you. I called you. Just go lay hands on them. The Holy Ghost, they started tripping. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost and fire gets a hold of people. Burns people. One guy said, I've been in 35 programs. 35 programs. And he said, something happened in me tonight. Something happened in me tonight. He said, something, I felt something. He said, I believe I'm done with programs. He said, I believe this is my last. Felt the fire of God. I said, I felt the fire of God flowing. I'm telling you, I was looking around comparing, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You ever done that? You come into service, you know God's going to use you. He's already prepared you. But nobody else is being used. So you tuck it away and we say, next time. <laughs> next service, I'll, 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 I'll go to the altar next service. I go to the altar next service. It's just a little, I just got a little bit to give God. Then nothing happens in that service. And guess what? We just tuck this back somewhere. And you know what eventually happens? We forget next service. And next service. And eventually it's gone. And Jesus said, I had thousands I wanted to use you to feed. Thousands. I wanted to send you to the nations. But you kept telling me next week, I'll go. I wanted to send you to the mission field. I wanted to send you down the road. I wanted to send you to the school to teach. But we start comparing what the world's given us, what we think we can get in the kingdom of God. And we compare by worldly measures. We say next Sunday I'll obey God. Next Sunday, I'll, next, Wednesday night, Wednesday night. <laughs> Sometimes we justify them from Sunday morning. We say, Sunday night, tonight I'll do it. <laughs> you go home and get a nap. You forgot everything you was going to bring to him. <laughs> you didn't only need Andrew to tell you how little it was because now you're looking down at it. You took your eyes off Jesus. Man, what he said, right. I don't have much to give Jesus anyway. And so we live in comparison. Are you tired of that? Honestly, are we tired of comparing ourselves to other people? <laughs> I'm sick of it. It's a miserable way to live, to compare yourself to anybody else. It's a miserable way to live. But it's an easy trap to get caught in. It's so easy. For somebody to say that you don't deal with this, come on now, huh? <laughs> I, I promise you, come on now. But it's one of the greatest hindrances. If David would have wore Saul's armor to battle, he never would have defeated Goliath. We can't compare ourselves. We can't compare. He fought criticism from Andrew, from Philip, and now from himself. Did not we do that too? This little lad, what do you have to get? You just have a little. He was the least of all of them men. But I came to tell somebody not in this church God's about to use the least in all the land. Don't, do not compare yourself to the 5,000 that's around you. They're all bound. <laughs> They're all bound. They didn't give Jesus anything. They just ate. People want to eat. <laughs> Y'all let that one go right over your head. <laughs> I said people are there to eat. But you know what I love? <laughs> Y'all know what I love? Everybody's sitting down. They were all standing up. They probably had their chest bowed out. Somebody, but the whole time they're like this. You know why their chest is bowed out? Because they got stuff behind them. <laughs> they were being little orphans. Yeah, they were hiding everything behind their back like the rich young ruler. Well, I've done all those things. But Jesus said, what about that one thing? Go sell everything that you have. Give to the poor. Then come follow me. No, I can't do that. You had that one thing, that chest was bowed out, boy. Yeah. You did all them good things, didn't you? 
But that chest is bowed out because there's things that you're hiding from behind you. And so you don't have one thing but this stuff that you got to keep pushing you. And that's what we do with an orphan spirit. We act like we're somebody, but on the inside, we're nobody. We feel terrible about ourselves. Take me to the jail and take me to the biggest, baddest man in there. Guess what he's got? An orphan spirit. If you begin to talk about his heart, guess what he's going to do? Am I right or wrong? We got a lot of people that work in the prison around here. They'll melt if you ever get to that heart. Everything else is a shell. How they walk around, Brother Chris. But you ever get to that heart? You ever get to that heart? Jesus got to your heart, didn't he, Chad? He deflated that chest, didn't he? He'll do it. That's what the Holy Ghost will do. He'll deflate that stuff. If you can ever get to the heart. But so here's this little lad. You know what Jesus did? He said, tell all them people to sit down. And I'm just wondering now, the Bible don't give clarification on this, but I'm just wondering, David, you're going to be Jesus for a minute. Come up here. Isn't he a good Jesus? Yeah, he looks like Jesus. So everybody else here is sitting down. So I just wonder if Jesus didn't tell the disciples, you make all them sit down in a position of humility. Because <laughs> I'm fixing to really show who I'm going to use. You see this little boy? You all watch what I'm about to use. I believe Jesus is about to sit the church down and say, guess who I'm about to use? <laughs> guess who I'm about to use? I'm fixing to show you I'm about to use the least of these because you kept making excuses every church service. I'll do it Sunday night. I'll do it next Sunday. And then a lot of us say, I'll do it next Sunday. We don't come back till 10 Sundays. You come back 10 Sundays later, and guess what the Holy Ghost said? The same thing that he told you 10 Sundays before. And so he made everybody sit down in a position of humility, and I could just see this little boy. Jesus, Andrew said it's only two small fish. Andrew said possibly my mama overcooked these loaves of bread, but they shrunk. They're so little. I was a drug addict. I was a prostitute. I, I, was, I was a murderer. But Jesus, if you can just take my life, if you can just feed these people with what I'm going to give you, I know there's not much there, but Jesus, I'll give it to you. I'm going to pull my hands off of it. You know what the Bible said Jesus did? He said he held it up to the Father. <laughs> he blessed it and he broke it. So we talk about Jesus. You have to have Jesus in the picture. We talk about the thousand. We talk about the bread and the, low and, the, and the fish. But what about the lad? If there was nobody ever to give that to Jesus, then we never would have been fed. I believe that Jesus is about to sit the church down. I'm talking about the religious. <laughs> Thank you. And there's about to be a remnant arise. Now listen to me. <laughs> That is exciting, but get ready for war. <laughs> I said get ready for war. Get ready for division to come. Get ready for people to start hating. Get ready for people to start talking. Because when the remnant begins to arise and the religious have to sit down and little lads start bringing their little lunches that Andrews and Philip start saying there's no way that we can use this little lunch to feed all these people and then Jesus said come on boy Come on, boy. Everybody else wants to live with an orphan spirit, wants to play games, wants to hide, wants to play hide-and-go-seek, wants to be jealous, wants to compete, wants to compare. And the whole time Jesus is saying, I'm just ready for my remnant to arise. He said, I need to get my bride ready because I'm about to be coming back on a white horse. I'm about to call my bride home. Amen. I'm about to call. The rapture of the church is about to happen. I'm calling my people home. Then we're going to come back and rule and reign. Are you hearing? me tonight church I said Jesus is getting his bride ready it's time for the remnant to arise in this hour I don't care where you've been I don't care what you lack I don't care how little that you've got it's time that you and I would begin to rise up and bring what little we have and give it to the hands of Jesus hallelujah put it at the hands of Jesus listen the second thing I want to tell you verse 8 
I just said a lot of that was Andrew was saying, look at the little, look at the little, look at the little, small loaves, small fish. He said, how far? He said, you think this, is, this little bit's going to help this big problem that we have of 5,000 people? Our problem, I wrote this down, our problem is that we are very good. We are very good at revealing. I can't even read what my own writing. We'll skip right over that. <laughs> I can't read this. The reason the man buried the one talent is because it was less than what was given to the others. And he thought, he thought that he got the bad end of the deal. But if we would only invest in the kingdom what we've been given, then there's Ted telling what God will do. You may have only been given one talent, but I'm telling you, invest it into the kingdom of God. Quit feeling and quit living like you've been gypped. Well, all I got was one. All I got was one talent. I can't believe that Laney got five. I've been saved a lot longer than her. I can't believe that all I I can't believe I only got one. Leah got two. Don't you know what Leah's done and been through? And I only got one. I've been saved for 50 years. They just came into the church. I only got one. She's already got five. I can't believe she got five. I can't believe she got five and I got one. And so we feel like we got gypped. And so what do we do? We don't invest that. We don't invest that. Why? Because we don't want to experience and walk in grace. I want to compare myself. And so I'm mad. I'm mad because I only got one. I got gypped. You already got five. You just got saved tonight. Blessings upon blessings upon blessings in her life. And Leah ain't never invested nothing. She ain't never invested. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) He felt the Holy Ghost. I should have got somebody else. (laughs) Move on. I'm not talking real. I'm just using them. She done done invested hers. Look. She put hers in the bank. Yeah, she's saving it. I've said this before. Listen. You know the person that got five talents? They might get tired of investing one day. And if you'll be faithful where you're one, you may pass them. Just keep investing yours. Amen, I don't have anything to invest, but they say when you lose money is when you take it out. Is that right, Shane and Mac? Do you know how? Is that what you do? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> oh, did you take some out? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just asking him. I don't know. That might have been bad too. I better just preach to me. <laughs> it's not good this side or that side. <laughs> she don't invest. Is that right? <laughs> he might have. Never mind. We'll go on. <laughs> We better just preach. Amen. So here we are. Amen. We compare. We get mad. We get jealous. But I'm telling you, if you got one talent, just keep investing it. Just keep giving it to the Lord. Amen. Just keep giving it to the Lord. And I promise you, one day you may pass others that started with five. You may have started with one. Be faithful with what God gave you. Amen. Be faithful with what God gave you. I'm about to close. I don't know who's playing. Y'all can come. I got two more points. You'll help me get on through here. So listen, if you have anything, it's because Christ gave it to you. If you have anything, it's because Jesus gave it to you. Romans 8, we read it. We're joint heirs with Christ. We're joint heirs with Christ. So if you have anything that's good, it's because Jesus gave it to you. The grace of God done that. So why would you want to bury that and hide what Jesus gave you? So why is the church lacking authority and power? Why is the church lacking where we see healing? Because if Jesus has it, why can't we? We can. But we have to activate it. We have to quit hiding it. Amen? I'm not saying, I'm telling you, walk in the unction of the Holy Ghost. We're joint heirs with Christ. Amen? We're joint heirs with Christ. We have to know that. We have to walk in the authority of that. We have to walk in the authority that we've attained through sonship. I looked up what heir means, and it means one who has acquired or obtained the portion 
allotted to him by sonship. It's been given to us by adoption. Everything that's his is now mine. Amen. The third thing I want to tell you about this little lad, and I believe some people in this house tonight, is that little lad probably stood up in front of the thousands of people that were there. They sat down. He stood up, and he was a leader. I know that he, I know Jesus had them sit down to humble them. And I just believe that, that this little lad and Jesus just came together with that little lunch. And I believe every one of them, thousands of men, had to look at this little boy. And then they had to hold bread in their hands and say, My God, if I'd have only done that. Don't be mad at people that are being used by God that are doing what you were unwilling to do. Are you hearing me? Don't be mad at somebody that's doing what Jesus told you to do, but you didn't do it. Don't get jealous, envious, and bitter over that because that's what happens in the church. But the reason somebody, God's going to get somebody to do what you won't do. He will every time. He's going to call somebody to take your place. The little lad became a leader. I can tell you tonight, that little lad, I know that he just rose up. Amen. I can tell you that I'm not sure how the grown men felt. I'm not sure how the mothers felt that held this son. Here's what the Lord just showed me. As I was writing this down today, it's like 5,000 men. Parents, listen to me just a minute on this. Number one, I bet them men probably felt like that big. I could have been used like that. I made my own lunch. My mom didn't have to make mine but I was unwilling to give it. You see, a lot of people live that way in the church. We're unwilling to give to God. Some of us are willing to give just enough, just enough, but do we give more? Do we give up everything? And then I thought about those men that probably felt like they wished that they would have gave up their lunch and been used by Jesus. But then I thought about how many moms probably said, don't you dare go give that lunch away that I just made for you. How many mamas and daddies hold our little children back? <laughs> because we think that we know best for their life. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go give that lunch. You know how much money I paid for that lunch today? How many of us parents put religion in our children by telling them not to be givers? When Jesus put that in their heart, Maybe some of them little kids were probably wanting to run to Jesus. But mom was saying, don't you dare. Uh Uh-uh, I made you that lunch. We're going to eat that later. How many of us hold our family back? Daddies, how many of us are holding our wives and our children back? Because we don't get up and be faithful to the house of God. Because we're unwilling to sacrifice and give everything. Mama, how many of you are holding your children back you wonder why your children are facing what they're facing wonder why they don't worship because you don't worship daddies wonder why our children aren't worshiping because we're not worshiping we should be people of the altar at all times we shouldn't hold people back we shouldn't say don't give that up I I understand you got to use wisdom but how many little kids were wanting to give their lunch to Jesus but mamas held them back said no 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 Mama, Daddy, don't hold your children back from getting to Jesus. Let them give what they got. (laughs) Let them give what they got. If they empty out their bank account, their piggy bank to give to Jesus, I promise you Jesus is going to bless them. I promise you Jesus is going to bless them. I remember the first time Lee Ship came, Brennan was a little boy, and Lee was telling that story preaching in the Dominican Republic and that witch being across the road and her casting that spell and that, that black, black cloud just coming over. And I remember Lee, before he preached, he went to that window and he rebuked that cloud in Jesus' name, rebuked the witch. Y'all remember that? He knew that, that rain cloud was demonic. And he rebuked the witch and rebuked the cloud and he told God, he said, get rid of it now. The witch turned around and walked away and when the witch left, the rain cloud left. And they were able to have church, and they went right on. People were saved and delivered of demons. 
And I remember Brandon, he was a little boy. He came and he was saving his little Buddy Barrel, the Assembly of God, Buddy Barrel. He said, I want to give that money to that man. I said, you do, buddy? He said, yeah. He said, them stories he told, he said, were amazing. Don't ever hold your children back from giving and sowing into the kingdom of God. And the last thing I want to tell you is you stand to your feet. Church, when we are free from the spirit of an orphan, you're not only taking care of people now, but you'll take care of a generation to come. I said, you'll take care of a generation to come. I've never thought of this until today. This little lad, because he gave five loaves of bread and two fish, he fed 5,000 people, he fed the women, and he fed the, fed the children. Out of that one little lunch, Jesus took it, he broke it, he blessed it, and he fed it. Not only did they eat, but the Bible says they ate until they were filled up. And there was leftovers. To me, that's the next generation. The 12 baskets. There's generations to come. And if you live in an orphan spirit bound up, then guess what? What is the next generation going to have to pick up? What are they going to have to pick up and put in their basket and say, remember when Jesus fed 5,000 people with that little boy's lunch? You remember, Laney, when, when God did this and you're going to be able to pour into Asher and he's going to be able to fill his baskets full? Why? Because you and Tanner didn't live in the spirit of an orphan. But you came out of hiding. And you said, Lord, whatever I have, it's yours. And now there's leftovers all over the ground. Everywhere Asher is, he's crawling on the ground. He's picking up leftovers. You don't even know it yet, but what you're investing in him right now. Why do you think that boy loves to hear preaching and praise? Because he's picking up leftovers. Because you quit hiding, you quit playing games. Now, you're being bold. I heard you get the microphone and you confronted this church Sunday night. I said, you go, girl. Go, girl. Train them in the way they should go. Amen. Spur them on to love and good works. And so now your marriage, hell fought it. But there's leftovers. There's fragments. Fragments. Little Asher's going to pick them up. And he's going to carry them on into the next generation. Into the next generation. To the next generation. Why? But listen, if you don't come out of hiding... There's not going to be anything left for the next generation. This school is leaving crumbs everywhere. There is an incorruptible seed being invested in these kids' life. And they may walk around, and mom and dad, you may hear just the bad things, but I'm telling you, I'm here, and I see them picking up leftovers. They may say how hard it is. Oh, but ask them would they trade it because there's a seed there's something inside them working greater than that that's working on the outside and they're just going along getting basketfuls getting basketfuls there's fragments left over but if we never come out and give our lunch to Jesus guess what there won't be anything left I said there won't be anything left Jesus needs a generation to come out of hiding Jesus needs a generation that's willing to stand up, rise up, and say, what I got, Jesus, it's yours now. Some of you have great investments in your life. Some of you should be dead and in hell, and you're still playing games with God. You're still playing games with God under the sound of my voice tonight. You know you should be dead and in hell. You shouldn't even be in this service tonight. Some of you have been in church too long, and you're still not letting God use you to the capacity that he desires to use you. You know he's not. You're hiding your lunch and you're mad at others for giving theirs. <laughs> now God's feeding people everywhere. Listen to this. I guess I've been waiting the whole message to say this. Y'all probably just thought I should have said it at the beginning. This little lad fed more than 5,000 people. Because tonight, 
over 2,000 years later, we're still picking up the leftovers. I'm still picking up bread, Sister Dana. (laughs) I'm still picking up the pieces of the little boy's lunch. He fed more than 5,000 people, Laney, because you know what? When I read this story, guess what? It fed my soul. He's still feeding me, Monty. I'm still eating. And the bread of life is still being broken. But imagine if that little lad wouldn't have just fed Jesus. What if he wouldn't have gave it to him? Would we be being fed right now out of this story? No. (laughs) But because that little boy did, we're here in Grittany, Florida, picking up the leftovers. We're going to leave tonight with our basket full. I got something to take home now. What you got? I got the word tonight. I got the word tonight. I still got fragments. I got a basket full. And it's multiplied beyond 12 now. Why? Because a little boy. I don't care what that disciple said. I don't care what that preacher said. Somebody hear me tonight. I don't care what your Sunday school teacher told you 30 years ago. I'm not worried about none of that. I'm here tonight to tell you what Jesus is saying. Bring what you have. Give it to him. Bring your hurt. Bring your pain. Bring your bitterness. Bring your frustration. That little lad fed more than 5,000 because I fed off of it tonight. Would you just lift up your hands all over this house?